Ryan, I was just saying when I saw the list of guests, how excited that I were that uh, I was that you were here today. I don't think we've had John before. Yeah, glad to be on. I, uh, I, I didn't. Uh, I don't think I told you, but our podcast together a couple of weeks ago, I think, was actually it was really well listened to on YouTube. I think thirty something thousand, but um, it was my most downloaded in history on Spotify. I think over a hundred thousand listens. Oh wow, that's great! Congratulations. Yeah, we beat Sailor, so uh-huh. that's 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 yeah. a that's a good accomplishment. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, people really really resonated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's. I, I think it's a shame what's going on with the traditional brokerage industry. How, you know, and, and, and I, I recently found out it's really um, the SEC and Finra that's blocking them from allowing you know, Bitcoin exposure. So. Are we talking about specifically a Vanguard or the RIA platforms or all? No, I'm not. Yeah, yeah, I'm not talking about Vanguard or RIA. I'm talking about like um, Edward Jones, the the Finra regulated brokerage firms. So um, I just found out last week that because I I asked one of the like members of the C-suite of one of these major brokerage firms why they don't just offer direct Bitcoin, and he said it's prohibited by Finra and 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 SEC rules. so to have direct exposure, you know, I was like, well, you yeah, could offer the ETF and like, they were like, no, you know, we're, we're not there yet. So to me, that, that makes me extremely bullish knowing that they'll eventually have to get on board and get there. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. That's just future buyers. So I'll take it. If we're, if we're doing this well on a day, even a, you know, uh, with, with price sort of absorbing all of that GBTC selling over those weeks and things still going well and seeing inflows continue, I, I mean, imagine when they really open that to the floodgates to everyone. Mm-hmm. We had Matt Hogan yeah. on from Bitwise and he said, you know, he thinks it's 10, 15% of RIAs even have access still. So I mean, it's right. really, yeah. Low. Yeah. It's low. Yeah. And it's all about education. So it's just, yeah, just like Larry Fink got educated and he's a Bitcoin bull now. Yeah, as everybody else starts to understand the data and what it means, they'll, you know, like we said, you know, they're going to be under fiduciary responsibility to add a small amount of Bitcoin to their portfolio. Yeah, I, I kept making the claim that Fink was legitimately orange pilled and that he was, this wasn't necessarily just talking his book and that he really had been converted. People pushed back constantly and I asked, uh, Recently, I asked Scaramucci about it on one of these uh, on a show, and he said that he mm-hmm. specifically met. Uh, I think he said he was like I was in the Four Seasons lobby in 2019, or maybe it was even 2021. And he said I asked, mm-hmm. and Larry Fink said, "Hey, you're the Bitcoin guy, right? You like that stuff?" And mm-hmm. Mooch was like, "Yeah, I love it." And and Fink said, "It's a scam. I hate it. It's disgusting. Yeah. It should die. It's the worst." And then now Mitch, Mitchnick, I think, was the guy he hired from Ripple. Mm-hmm. Um, came over to BlackRock and Anthony said that he knows personally from talking to Larry Fink about it that Mitch Nick effectively orange pilled him, converted him completely, and he's a true believer, you know. And you can mm-hmm. tell when he goes on his on the road show and he's talking about it yeah. that he truly understands it. But he, I think, he really is a one of us, so to speak. Yeah. Well, I think most people that come from traditional finance they enter Bitcoin as a skeptic. I, I was a huge skeptic, you know, ten years ago. Yeah, but once you dive into it and you know, you spend the time to understand, you know, what this is, then, you know, you, you know, you get converted. So, yeah, it's just a matter of, you know, spending time, you know, and most people just don't want to spend the time to understand, you know, what this is. They're too busy, you know, with other things in their life. 
another interesting thing. Uh, sorry, guys, Brian. I, Brian and I took over. We'll move on to the actual show in a minute. But the, I, had, I was talking to Matt Hogan yesterday from Bitwise again, and he pointed out, which went viral actually yesterday after he and I discussed it, that uh, Fidelity in Canada, which is a separate company, is actually in their most conservative retirement dated funds that they've put together is allocating 1% to the big Canadian Bitcoin ETFs and already had been, which nobody seemed to have noticed. Did, did you see that? Because it speaks to the sharp ratio conversation that we were having, obviously. Yeah, I saw a post yesterday where um, I, I don't know what fund it was, but it was one of the fidelity funds. Yeah. Allocated Canada. 1%. Yeah. Yeah. And it was their, their, that's their most conservative, like, retirement dated funds are putting one mm percent -hmm. so really yeah. awesome yeah. mario i'm sorry we uh, took over i'm enjoying the conversation because not much news to discuss other than just a, a bull versus bear market discussion what, what, what else did you discuss on the on the pod with brian and then we'll start going to the panel I mean, Brian can tell you, but we really, you know, we, we sat down, we've been planning to have the conversation for a really long time, but I said, Hey, what do you want to talk about? You know, I don't do much so, prep. And he said, I, I really wanted this to be a conversation with the RIAs out there and explaining to them why, regardless of their feelings you, about you Bitcoin, said, they need to have this in their portfolio. Well, I got a question for you. You did say something in your, in your back and forth about our only 10 to 15% of our RIAs having access to the ETFs. Why is it so low? Is that just education or, or regulatory hurdles? Scott, that's for I, you. you I, sure. Okay. Yeah, sure. I, I, according to Matt, it was that, you know, it took, you, we've talked about that bitwise survey sort of endlessly, the Vetify bitwise survey before the ETF approval, right? And you only had roughly 30% that even believed that an ETF was going to be approved, period, right? So Matt's point was that they've done their 20,000 phone calls in advance of this approval, getting people on board, but nobody was doing the due diligence or even having these conversations at these platforms or in these companies until they actually saw the approval. So he said, I think six to 12 months is what we would have assumed before we'd start seeing any of these RIA platforms coming on board. And we're actually seeing it now a month later. Now, I think three to six months. But effectively, until the product existed, there was no point in them even having the conversations as to whether they were going to offer these. Now there's 10 or 11 of them. They need to decide which ones they're likely to offer. So they're probably waiting to see how the dust settles afterwards. And I think just it's going to take time. And so, and then to Brian's point, a lot of them are just blocked. <laughs> they just can't, you know. Uh, Michael? Yeah, no. I mean, I think it's really exciting just to see how the narrative has switched from 2022, 2023 to where we sit now. I mean, we were going through a time period where essentially we had this entire industry having a credibility crisis. Uh, we had massive issues with FTX, Terra Luna. And if you told me at that time we were going to see a Bitcoin ETF passed in the in the next year or two, right? I would have thought you were absolutely crazy. So I think it really bodes well for um, this industry showing institutions, right, that this thing is going to have long-term staying power. And now we just have these long-term flows coming into the asset class as the biggest financial institutions in the world are essentially selling their customers into it. I think that's really bullish over the long-term. Right, and I know you and Mikko were going, we had it back and forth yesterday that everyone was talking about before the, the space rug. Let's... 
<laughs> maybe, don't start maybe, it yet. Uh, don't start it yet. No, no, I was, I, was, I, was gonna, I wasn't going to start it. I was going to go to Ran and say, Ran, um, I was going to throw your agenda as well. Maybe give us a quick market update. The markets are doing well today. And there, there isn't much new on markets. Before, before we do that, though, I do want to say after he's done, we should go back to this conversation because we have James here who is the king of uh, explaining the flows and Dave raised his hand. And I think there's still an interesting conversation there. Go, go ahead. Uh, markets up, XRP is down. Um, uh, I'm kidding. No. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, great pump. I mean, a little bit of a short squeeze going on. I think a lot of people were short. You saw the shorts actually starting to close. Well, not close, get forcefully closed, liquidated. So uh, I think that's one of the things you saw. And then I, I think a very good inflow, yes, a, a very good inflow day yesterday, which was net inflow day, which was very, very strong. So I think net, net, all's, uh, all's bullish. And I, I mean, on my show today, I covered this whole airdrop narrative and how the airdrops this year, since the beginning of the year, have actually brought more money into crypto than the ETFs combined. If you take the net amount of ETF inflows, net meaning X grayscale, $1.7 billion has flowed into the crypto market uh, via the ETFs. And if you take the total airdrop, uh, the total inflows into the market, because of airdrops dropped onto crypto users, it's actually slightly higher. So I think where everyone is looking How, at- Isn't that Apple store oranges? I don't want to interrupt, no. but isn't that Apple store no, oranges? Why? 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 New money versus a quote, okay, I, I call it helicopter money, I don't really give a shit, but a transfer of value, right? Isn't that just value going from a crypto, from the crypto platform into the market? Isn't it No. horizontal? Not at all. Let me give you an example, right? When there was just Bitcoin, and let's say Bitcoin had a market cap of a billion, right? Then we added ETH, and the market cap of crypto went to 1 billion for Bitcoin plus the market cap plus ETH. So it's new money that came into this closed ecosystem, right? And so, so just think about it like that. If you had a ring fence around Bitcoin, you said, okay, the market cap of Bitcoin was a billion dollars. Then we added in the new protocol, and we gave all the, the, all the players in the ecosystem ETH. Now they had a billion dollars worth of Bitcoin plus they had whatever the value was of ETH. So it's new money that actually came into the market. New value adding protocols that distributed wealth to their users. So while everyone is focused on the 1.7 billion that has flowed into this market via ETFs, I'm starting to say right now we're in airdrop season. We have a lot of airdrops that are coming out this year that we have wormhole, we have layer zero, we have uh, eigenlayer. We have all these amazing, amazing, amazing protocols coming out, the best protocols, and they're going to be airdropping money onto their users. And to me, when I look at that versus the ETFs, actually more new money is coming in from these airdrops than is coming in from the ETFs. Dave? Yeah, I think that, that the important point here is to kind of reconcile between you know I, I I'm skeptical in the in the helicopter money as well. Although what is real is everyone in crypto and the people listeners here are used to Bitcoin runs up, gets stuck in glass, you know, gets stuck in a range. We go to alt season. Bitcoin kind of languishes in the range as the as the hot money goes to 
alts and, and every place else and then, you know, cycle, rinse, repeat. Uh, I think that what people need to understand is the world is now different. Uh, with a dramatic increase in the number of people who are interested in Bitcoin now, it may very well be that you can have an alt season where Bitcoin isn't, you know, stuck in, you know, stuck in amber because essentially it doesn't need the hot money to go up. What it needs is the hot money not to short it or the hot money, the shorts to get carried out on a, in a body bag. And, you know, the, the fact that, that we retrace to the, the thinner of the Fibonacci levels, and I've said this many times on your show, but it's very relevant. People, everyone we talked to two weeks ago or a week and a half ago were saying, oh, well, you know, we need a retracement to the 30s. You know, guys like Mike McClone were saying 20, but whatever. I mean, you know, a, a little dig there. But, you know, and then there are people like me saying, I don't know if it holds this level. What ends up happening is the new money, all of a sudden, there's just not enough Bitcoin for that new money and people are going to stop. And so you're going to see you're going to see a much you're not going to see a God candle. Well, maybe you will, but I don't think so. But what you will see are things like this morning. I mean, I tweeted that we went to price discovery when we jammed from 44 up over 45 and people are like, oh, it's already retracing. It's like, no. It isn't actually. It's in price discovery literally means trying to find a new level. And we may stay at this level for a while. Who knows? But the fact is there's new money coming in. And what you're saying, that matters because, you know, economics 101, supply and demand. I and mean, where's, where's the supply? I also think that what's going to happen is that if you think of, of hodlers like us, we've all been holding our Bitcoin. I think that, you know, we have been selling it. I've been selling my Bitcoin to you. You've been selling your Bitcoin to Scott and, and to Mario and to whatever else. I think now what a lot of people aren't appreciating is that, you know, there's a Bitcoin ETF, which means that the TradFi is effectively coming to buy Bitcoin from people like us. And the new money that flows into Bitcoin is actually us selling our Bitcoin to them and using the proceeds to potentially buy altcoins. So I think that's also going to spark a huge altcoin run where, you know, um, we're looking for returns that are bigger than Bitcoin. We put our profits Look, into Bitcoin. It, Ren, you're right. Um, and, you know, I, and you're right for a couple of reasons. But one that's really important, we always keep saying, well, TradFi this and TradFi that. Look, I spent 35 years in traditional finance. And most of my life in traditional finance, I was the guy who was unemploying people by doing automation of trading. So it's funny that you guys refer to me, or a lot of people would, as the TradFi guy in Bitcoin. The truth is, I basically spent my entire life trying to... No, we've accepted you as one of us. We, yeah, mean, well... It, but, but, the the, the DAO voted, the DAO voted, and um, <laughs> the vote, it was... Uh, it was EIP 1667 and the DAO took a vote and we said, can we accept Dave as one of us and not okay, one cool. of them? And the overwhelming majority nice. said you're one of us. We had us. a draft. We drafted cool, you. Cool. Glad. But, but, I, but I want to make a point. Everyone on in crypto Twitter, and I, and I love there was a great post this morning showing kind of how insignificant we are relative to the entire world. TradFi is not this monolithic thing. It is all the normal people that you talk to in your everyday life who now have the ability to buy stuff. And then it's, it's, it, it is no different than anything else. It's like a gateway drug. I mean, yeah, you start by buying an ETF in your brokerage account, and then you look at it and say, like, okay, wait a minute, let me do some more reading, and let me do some more whatever. Oh, it's not really all that hard to open a Coinbase account, or you know, if you're sitting in some place where you can, you know, in a, a Binance account or a this account. Oh, wait a minute, what, what is this DeFi stuff? You mean I could go on Phantom? 
oh, wow, this is really easy. And, and you know, people start getting into it. So it is not this monolithic thing. People think Larry Fink controls this monster, you know, uh, you know corp- corporation that, that moves investments. No, he controls a, a corporation that uh, offers investments to this this large crowd of people that ha- that are now being introduced to crypto. And that's a very big deal that people don't appreciate. I think you do, Rand, because I've heard you say similar things. This is why we accepted you, because you speak of phantom wallets. This is why we accepted you as one of us. This is why the DAO overwhelmingly voted <laughs> that you're one of us. Rand, something interesting on this. Um, I actually talked to Sid, from, Sid Powell from Maple this morning. And obviously, they're very involved in lending and, and yield and tokenizing of real world assets. But he said, which will confirm your point, that the bulk of lending activity right now is people borrowing, for example, Ethereum to stake it and restake it in eigenlayer in anticipation of an airdrop. They'll pay the 10 to 15%, knowing they'll make 20, 25%. That's kind of the new trade right now with the very crypto focused institutions is that they will park, they'll borrow ETH again at a, at a relatively high yield and then go stake, restake, and then collect airdrop. I found it surprising that we were still sort of seeing all of that activity once again. Uh, yeah, I agree. Also, um, I don't know if you realize how revolutionary this ETH new token standard that launched. It's complicated, but like it's a like what what they created on ETH to me kind of represents like a new era for ETH, like a new. I, I don't know how much you know about it. This ERC four zero four, I think it's called. It sounds complicated. I'll try and break it down for the listeners because it is quite a complicated concept. But let me try and break it down for for you guys. But it's 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 going to create a new industry on Ethereum. So. Let me try to break it down. And if it's too complicated, please let me know. But it is quite complicated. So generally, if you understand what a non-fungible token is, it's a token that's not the same as, as that than, than another token. Therefore, it's non-fungible. The thing with non-fungible token, it's also not really divisible. So if you think about Mario's ugly crypto punk, the one that Mario owns, it's expensive, but it's not divisible. So it means that if I want to buy like a tenth of a punk, it's actually not possible. Like I can't buy a tenth of a punk. And that's like quite prohibitive because if you think about Mario's ugly punk, which costs a lot of money, um, it means that a lot of people kind of get excluded from trading these NFTs, right? But now what a bunch of devs have done is they've created a new token standard which combines a non-fungible token with a normal token. So imagine if Mario... Uh, mints a punk or creates a punk or buys a punk. When he does, he gets a, he gets the punk, and he also gets the new a normal token, like a normal call it punk punk token, which is not a, not an NFT. It's just a normal token. Now you know that if you have an ETH token or a normal token, a normal token is actually subdivisible. So if you have an ETH, you can buy 0.1 of an ETH, 0.001 of an ETH. You can buy half an ETH. But you can't do that with a punk. Now, what this new token standard has done is it creates a punk and a normal token. And if if I want if Mario wants to share his punk in inverted commas or split his punk, what he does is he sells a portion of the normal token. So he says, okay, I'm gonna sell a portion of my normal token. 
Then, in essence, what happens to NFT is, in inverted commas, the NFT gets destroyed. And it only then comes together, or a similar NFT comes together, when the pieces of, of the token are put together again. So what does it mean? The, the, it sounds complicated, but let me break it down for you. I buy a punk. The punk is worth $10,000. I want to sell a piece of the punk. Instead of selling a piece of the punk, I sell a piece of this other token. I subdivide my token and I sell a portion of this token. It destroys my punk. And only when I can put together one full one of these punk token things does the picture come back together. Does that make sense? So it's like, it's a way to subdivide NFTs. Does that, I mean, it's, it's, I try to break it down quite simply. I wonder if, if you actually understand. Yeah. Making uh, non-fungible, not making a non-fungible <laughs> token fungible. I was looking at doing this a long time. I was one of the first people that wanted to do it, Ryan. And it essentially allows you to build a community around your punk. So one punk could be tokenized or punk or whatever NFT, but punks are the best example. It could be tokenized. And anyone that wants to be part of the community could have one of those tokens. And then those tokens, you can create utility for those tokens. If I want to create my own exactly, community. That's exactly what ahead. they've done. They've just done it slightly differently. So instead of actually token, so instead of tokenizing your punk, your punk ceases to exist as soon as the, the normal token is subdivided. And when, and I remember that if a lot of people are subdividing all their punks, right? If a lot of people are, are subdividing all their punks, when the pieces are put together, as long as you put together one token from any pieces, a new punk is created with completely new traits, right? Does that make sense? So like, Hold on. So, so once you merge the tokens back together, a new punk has been created? But you, but you don't – exactly, because you're not merging the same – so let's say that you sub let's say I subdivide my punk into a hundred pieces and you subdivide mm -hmm. your punk into a hundred pieces, right? Mm -hmm. That yeah. means that in order to create a punk, you have to, you have to put together a hundred pieces to get a, a, a thing, right? But yeah. what if some of my, the, one of, what if some of the people that bought my oh, no. pieces and some of the people that bought your pieces come together and they put a hundred pieces together? <laughs> this is, so it becomes half of it, my punk, half of it, your punk. Exactly. Oh, come on. This is cool. So what is that? Is like is it my punk, my is, my is, it is, it is, is it though? It is cool. It is cool. My punk and Rand's punk make a baby. That's adorable. It's Come on, not Scott. exactly a baby because both our punks uh, dissolve, disintegrate, cease to exist. And when you put any hundred, whatever you're talking, hundreds, as long as you put together like the value of a token equals one. So as long as it's like if it's half, half, quarter, quarter, yeah, yeah, point yeah. one, as long as it comes as one, a new punk is created. So we have, so, so we have all, all three of us, Scott, me, you, me, you, uh, and Ryan, we'll, we'll all, we'll merge all our punks and make a, a crypto town hall baby punk. If, if the three of us had kids uh, together, it would definitely be a punk. I think we could all agree on that, uh, one exactly, way or another. That, that's pretty much, that's pretty much exactly what it is. It's basically, if you think about it like a, like a, the way I, I imagine it is, you know, when you go to a dog pound and you go to a dog pound and you get all these like mixed breed dogs and you look at them and you go, I Mutt. don't know how you, how you Mutt. came alive, but that's what you are. That's exactly what it is. Basically, it takes the traits and it creates a whole like bunch of traits, so to speak. Dude, this it's is people in crypto having way too much time on their hands. Who could no, be, uh, speaking but it's created in a massive industry. It's, it's, it's created a massive David, industry. David, what do you think, David? you want to join uh, our baby punk? Would you merge, merge all of ours? No, speaking seriously, there's going to be a real-world application for this. They, 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 I, 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 I can't think of it right away. 
but certainly somewhere in the in the healthcare field, in the financial field, there's got to be real world application that is going to be valuable for this order of process proposition. I believe so. In Dave? the meantime, isn't it in the meantime, just drumming up extra kind of revenue for the CryptoPunk Foundation and no one else? It's just a sort of scam to, well, not a scam, just a, a way of, you know, increasing interest in CryptoPunks, marketing department's CryptoPunks. It wouldn't be punks. It wouldn't be punks. It would be, I mean, this is a new token standard. So you can't apply it on, on, on old tokens. It's a new way of launching subdivisible NFTs if required. Uh, and there's definitely going to be there's definitely going to be ways to 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 use this in TradFi, where I don't know maybe maybe you've got one portfolio which is filled with X and another portfolio which is filled with Y, and you subdivide something that's not divided and you put it back together and it creates something else. I think this is the this is the Crypto Kitties moment. You know, Crypto Kitties was was the moment when we created NFTs. This is the Crypto Kitties moment for a new industry, and what we'll use that industry for, I don't know, but yeah, Rand, I was going to say, this sounds like a next cycle thing, like where we get really excited about it right now, and then we ha it has its month, and then in four years, we actually see if it matters, and then you gave the Crypto Kitties uh, sort of uh, analogy, and I, I agree entirely. I, I think this is a, it's cool. I have no idea right now why it would be used or how it could become vastly popular, especially as we'll go into a bull market and people's attention will just be sadly focused on prices. But it's cool. Let's talk about two more things. One is I can see the shorts are being more squeezed and getting liquidated as we speak, which is fun. Um, second thing is I wonder if there's any ETF experts here. There's a question that I had around the ETF, the ETH ETF specifically. Um, I saw that there was an amendment by ARK. I don't know if it was an amendment or a refiling, but they're going to now include ETH staking in their ETF. I don't know if anybody if anybody picked up on that news. Where they, yeah, they, yield bearing ETF was always a really interesting yeah. uh, potential for for ETH. I dare, I, I would be so surprised. They also, I think, they moved to Cash Create right to get in line with uh, what was approved for Bitcoin spot. But I would be very surprised if the SEC allows them to stake within these ETFs. But that would be awesome. This is what we've I was been discussing about. this. Yeah, so we've been discussing this internally, and actually in Europe they already have staking Ethereum. ETPs um, or ETCs, technically the same as an ETF, just a slight different name legally. But um, uh, there are implications from a tax perspective in that um, it could trigger a tax event. So you know, in traditional equities, you have a fund that is a distribution class and an accumulation class, um, and the equivalent for a staking product would be, in this instance, it would probably be an accumulation class. In other words, the dividends get reinvested, um, and in this respect it would be the staking gets reinvested so you would essentially see your coin entitlement let's say you bought one ether at the end of the year if the yield was four percent over the year you'd have 1.04 ether so that wouldn't necessarily track trigger a, a, a tax event but from an sec perspective i actually can't see there being a, an issue with this because um a lot of the staking kind of pr issues that they've had been staking as a service. And um, if it's in an ETF form, it is a security and that's fine. And it's under all the regulatory um, kind of uh, purview that you would need. If you look at something like Kraken, it was offering staking as a service. So it was based on 
not on the efforts of uh, it was based not on the effort of you but on the efforts of others. Do you not think that an arc that don't think that arc maybe threw a spanner in the works for the SEC because like you know you kind of say to yourself, well the ETH ETF was almost a sure thing because there's an ETH futures ETF and so the SEC couldn't de de deny it or decline it. But with this, they can kind of say, no, 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 now you've got staking and that. Hold on, no, 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 this is a different thing. This is not the same as a futures ETF. But in most futures-based products, there's no yield. That's um, exactly it. That's so, exactly but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just can't see the, the SEC having an issue. They, you know, of the one thing the SEC, when they've been talking about staking as a service, the one thing they've not been talking about is being Ethereum and Bitcoin. Uh, and then being security. So I can't see why they're just going to suddenly turn around and say that. An ETF, by definition, is a securitization of an asset anyway. So why would it be an issue? I think it's been blown up on the internet, and I don't think it's going to be a big issue. I think that we've given the SEC an out. We've given the SEC an out by saying, you know, like, you know the only reason why they approved Bitcoin because it was a Bitcoin futures ETF, and now we've given them an out to say that, you know, you, can, you, you don't need to approve this one because we've actually overcomplicated it. That's Maybe it delays things. Maybe they just have to start thinking about coin entitlement and how the yield, the staking yield is distributed. Um, but that might delay things a little bit. But I, I just, yeah, we've not picked up anything specifically from the SEC talking about this point. ARC also isn't first in line, right? So the forced approval in May wouldn't necessarily be ARC. So I think, Ren, it'll be more interesting to see if the others update with the same with the same ideas because in this case at least for now i would say they could approve other ones and not approve arc right i lost ran there i don't know if everyone else did dave did you have a comment if you can hear me yeah, yeah I, I can hear you i mean it, two comments first on the nft uh subdivision that is the model for share registries in the distant future uh, and you can think of a lot of reasons as to why. Uh, significantly more efficient than pieces of paper buried in a vault below, uh, you know, below 55 Water Street. Um, and, and so, but but you're right. That's in the next cycle. Uh, as far as you know, as far as the 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 other conversation, I mean, look. We also had the news of this this Prometheum people claiming that Ether is a security. And honestly, until that's resolved at this point, I'm not sure how the SEC navigates this because they've twisted themselves in knots. And, you know, and I think it's on purpose, but they're twisting themselves into knots. You know, if it's a security, there's one level. If there's not, it's another. There's all sorts of implications of that. And, and that's a whole other rabbit hole. I think that you nailed that. I think yeah. I think that you nailed the use the, the use case for this ERC four zero four, which we're studying. This it is this, it is probably the only way to do a share registry for an, like on the, all tokens in the same standard, for, but for a different company. That's the way to do it because if 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 multiple shareholders come together with one tenth of a share each, when they put them all together, they finally get a share. And, and this also allows you to do different share classes because it's, it's underneath the NFT, the things such as I don't want to report my holdings because of, you know, there's all sorts of reasons why companies want to be able to obfuscate for at least for a time their holdings and then afterwards they're not obfuscated. There's, there's lots of good reasons why that wrapper makes sense, will be dramatically more efficient. We'll get there. 
uh, it's just going to take time. I've actually also seen a lot of use cases for this on uh, RW on the RWA side, on on actually fractionalizing the fractions that you already own of uh, real world assets uh, to make it more accessible and and yeah create a more spread out uh, portfolio of uh, RWAs. Um, good. I mean, yeah, I'm just my mind is spinning with all the different applications of this. I, I did, I did it on my show today. So, yeah. So, Ran, I mean, I, I think that this, this, the whole ether as a security thing from Prometheum is kind of weird, and I don't know a lot of the details because I didn't read the filing. I'm curious if anybody knows: Are they planning on offering staking? You know, what are they doing with it? Is it? Do they have an actual custodian? You know, how do they get around the rules? I mean, and and what's the implication of that for from an ETF perspective? Because obviously, if they can do it, then it becomes almost impossible to say no to an ETF as long as they follow the same sort of template. I mean, I just want to know why Prometheum is actually even relevant. I know who they are, but they came out of nowhere. They they mean nothing to no one. I mean, like, who the hell are you guys? Like, well, why I'm with you, you Ren. I'm with you, Ren. They're, 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 they're a couple of guys against the entire industry. It's awful. Yeah. I, I, look, dude, to be cl very clear, I think that he's straight out of, of central casting from an 80s Wall Street is full movie. So, you know, it's not that I'm he's supporting the <laughs> He's the but, government prop. He's, he's, he's the government stooge. Government prop. Yeah. Right. He's the government stooge. But the government he allowed him to. But, but that stooge has a template for uh, how they want things to be, and which, of course, they're, they're covering it up because and making it, it, it as clear as mud because they don't want there to be a template. So it's really – it's actually quite fascinating. I mean it could be that the stooge exposes a problem. Like I tweeted this morning, think of it this way. FINRA since 2018 has basically frozen – Every broker dealer who wants to offer trading to their clients of Bitcoin and Ether or other non-securities, they've approved nothing. You know, if all of a sudden Ether's a security, don't they then have to start approving all those? That that's kind of a big deal, right? You know, at the end of the day, there's some rule of law in this country. I, I know that we don't seem to feel like it. It feels like we need to go to the courts every time, but it's kind of a big deal. You know, one way or another, this has to, to get resolved. Yeah, hey, I just want to step in. So Ether is already a security through the Grayscale Ethereum Trust, the ETHE. It's an SEC reporting company. So Ether is already trading as a security. Yeah, that's yeah, a really good that, point. Uh, yes, not, go ahead, Dave. No, that's no different than, than all of the Bitcoin ETFs are trading as securities as well, right? You know, well, the, well, the difference is that ETHE, um, it doesn't have um, like daily liquidity with redemptions because it hasn't been uplisted oh, no, as an it's ETF. A so it, it's a, it's a closing yeah. fund, right? Yeah, I, I own so. some, waiting for it to get converted as well. <laughs> mm -hmm. So yeah, no, I, I'm I'm aware. I'm just saying that that it, the actual underlying commodity isn't trading like a security, and the SEC continues to not answer that question. Uh, despite the fact that the, the CFTCs answer the question, it's a commodity, and most of us think that that's the case. But you know, who the hell knows? I mean, it's just it, it's it's really sickening that a regulator whose job should be to make things transparent goes out of their way to make things uh, you know non-transparent, opaque. But that is where we are. <laughs>
yeah, well, I yeah. agree that yeah, I agree. The SEC right, right. is making things more difficult. I mean, I think we all agree with that. And back to the Pantherium guys. I mean, Kaplan. Yeah, I mean, he seems yeah, Pernithium. He he just seems creepy. That CEO. It's like I Steven mean, Seagal. It's crazy. Yeah. He has, no, he has no idea what he's doing here. And his boss has just told him that he needs to represent and he's representing. And I mean, who the hell are you, first of all? Number one, who the hell are you? Number two, what the hell are you doing here? Number three, like, why, why are you allowed to talk when not, not a single person I've ever heard of in crypto has ever used your platform? Let Brian Armstrong talk. You can't use the platform. Just- There's nothing available on it. Ethereum would be the first thing that you can trade on it. They got their SEC approved with no assets that are allowed because of the SEC lack of clarity. You want you want you want to do a conversation. Let's have a conversation with Brian Armstrong. Don't bring me the, that 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 guy from Prometheum, who's a I don't know government agent, government spy. I don't know what he is, but he's a he's a he's a dull. I don't know. I don't know what the rest. Stooge, Stooge. That doesn't work. Like he's a lawyer, Randy. He's a lawyer. Makes sense. Go ahead, William. Uh, no, no, I was just uh, wanted to uh, to talk more about the alt season that they referred to. Can we switch to the alt? And uh, have we beat this to death? You can go. Uh, go have fun. <laughs> no, I was wondering, uh, Dave. You mentioned that we go from one thing to another to another alt season. And uh, I'm thinking that the, the next all season might not be the same as the previous one. And my, my theory is that it used to be uh, the new L1, some L2s, DeFi, NFT, gaming, all of that was considered to be alt. But my thinking is that the next alt season may not be the same as the old one. And I'm seeing a, a new segment emerge, uh, though, though it's not too clear yet. It's what I call blockchain middleware. It's, it's anything kind of that sits between the infrastructure and the apps, uh, all the software services and products that uh, app developers need to use, and all of these abstract the blockchain and make it easier uh, to develop apps. So this is the flavor of if you go in the Solana ecosystem, it's like the Metaplex there. Uh, in the Ethereum ecosystem, it's like Axelar, the bridges, uh, layer zero if you want, or XMTP, Privy. And, and not all of them have tokens, that's the thing. But I'm wondering if, if people agree or what, any thoughts about the fact that the next alts may not be the same as the old alts. Um, I, I'd like to just jump in here. Um, so I've been in the space for 10 years and I've, you know, I was, you know Bitcoin only 10 years ago because that was the only thing there. And then you know, I did the alt thing and then came back to Bitcoin and did the alt thing and came back to Bitcoin. You have about 4,000 listeners uh, on this spaces right now. And, you know, it's just been my experience. It's better to be a Bitcoin maxi than than dabble in the alts. So, I mean, that's just from personal experience. Um, so, you know, take it as it is. But, you know, that, that's just my experience. It's better to take your time, your energy and your talents, create dollars with it and just save that in Bitcoin and, you know, have a, you know, simple portfolio instead of, trying to outthink these alts and you know, a lot of them go to zero. And, you know, it's just, you know, I think there's a lot of risk there. Can I make a point here about altcoins? I think technically some of them are brilliant, um, like Tezos. Actually, I do think is a really impressive altcoin, but it's not enough. 
Um, there are in this world things that are technically not so great. I mean, the US dollar is technically not so great. You've been eroded uh, by QE over many, many years until we've had QT recently. It's technically not the best, but it is the Did largest James most used. Sorry? No, I can, I can hear James, Mario. Um, yeah, it is technically the most used, although it's not the, the most functional, not the best. I think it's the same in the crypto world. You know, you can critique Bitcoin and you can critique Ethereum and say things are better, but they have the largest networks. And it's that network effect that I think gives it such a leg up on everything else. And you look at some of these other smaller cryptocurrencies, which are technically great. They're just not gaining any traction. And that's one of the biggest problems for them. And they have these airdrops left, right and center to try and bribe people to come and use the network. But it doesn't seem to be having the desired effects quite often. Yeah, you mentioned Tezos. Um, yeah, I did the ICO on Tezos, what, five or six years ago. And, you know, I would have had more Bitcoin if I would have just kept my Bitcoin instead of converting into te Tezos. Yeah, but Jukon, that's been, you, yeah, that's been really, the case for a vast majority of coins. Go ahead, Rand, sorry. I, say you can't really, I mean, you can't really say that because, I mean, if you would have done that with Solana, you would have made a thousand times your Bitcoin. You know, like, I think it's just, it's, it's VC investing. You've got to just look at it as VC investing. Yeah, I 100% I, 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 I agree. I mean, there'll be a few winners, but if you take, you know, the entire ecosystem and take your, you know, take your winners, subtract your losers, I think you're still better off just owning Bitcoin. Mm, no, I, I'm, I'm like, if I would have just held my wealth in Bitcoin versus what I've managed to do with my Bitcoin, I think I'm about 50 times higher or something. It's like, the numbers are ridiculous. So I think it's just, it's just a case of if you're, if you, if you, and I'm not claiming that I'm a very good investor, just, I think if you did manage to get some of the right alts, uh, the returns have been way better than holding Bitcoin. Okay. Well, some of the best, um, you know, portfolio managers in the, you know, in the alt space out there, um, and I'm not going to name names, but, you know, the largest VC firms in the alt space, they've underperformed Bitcoin after fees. Uh, so, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where you're looking, but I can tell you for sure that Pantera, Polychain, Multicoin, Alphand, that we've all outperformed, we've all outperformed Bitcoin by, by a country mile. I mean, like, I don't know where you're getting these stats from. Maybe you're taking, you're cherry picking a, a small number of funds, but I think the majority of good early stage investors have way, way, way outperformed the Bitcoin performance. I mean, you're talking about Bitcoin, you're talking about Bitcoin doing a 20x since the beginning of 2015. Sorry, a 40x from the beginning of, since the beginning of 2015. That's, I mean, I think most funds have outperformed that. Okay, so just, you know, I was the very first investor in Polychain Fund One. I'm a, mm -hmm. I own part of the general partnership at Polychain. Um, I helped Olaf build the business model at Polychain when he left Coinbase. And I'm telling you that Polychain underperformed Bitcoin. So, you, you know, I, I have the data. So, well, I, uh, okay, well, since I'm the when, first investor uh, in the Fund One. Yeah, on since what time frame? Since, since September of 2016, I was the first investor into the fund. And I could tell you the same thing with Pantera and, you know, Paradigm and A16Z. They've all underperformed Bitcoin after fees. I don't know. I've invested, I've invested in multiple funds, including Multicoins Fund 
I don't know if it's, I think it's fund two or fund, yeah, I think fund two or fund three, and I've way, way, way outperformed Bitcoin. And, and, and I know personally our fund has outperformed Bitcoin way, way, way outperformed Bitcoin. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know, something doesn't, something doesn't add up here. Yeah, I mean, you, you want to talk about uh, over what time frame as well. I mean, if, if you want to, if you if you have a trader mentality, Stop. sure, you can stick to Bitcoin and then you can sleep at night. But uh, uh, the um, I think this is it. Anything else, um, Brian? Ryan, can you hear me? Mario, you're not hearing William. Okay, sorry. Yeah, right. Now I was going to say that the innovation is outside of Bitcoin. So if if you if you have uh, a trader space mentality, space is glitching a lot. Brian, can you hear me? Mario, we Mario, can you hear us? Oh, okay, okay. It's glitching. I won't speak because it's glitching a lot for me. Yeah, so William, you, you can't hear William who's been speaking. Yeah. Sorry, I'll uh, just finish my point quickly. So yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, if you have a trader mentality, Bitcoin, you can sleep at night and stick with it. But then the innovation in the ecosystem is, is not is outside of Bitcoin. And, and that's where the exciting stuff uh, is happening. And um, so that, that's I mean, otherwise, we might as well go home and just uh, look at Bitcoin only. So uh, yeah, so guys, I think we're, yeah, we're having some pretty big technical issues behind the scenes. So I think we're going to wrap it up. But I, I think we all agree, William. I think it's going to be interesting, though, like as a last point, Rand, maybe we're about to make the same one of what's going to be built on Bitcoin in this cycle, because I can certainly tell you that I'm getting 15 messages a day to invest in something I don't understand, uh, but that's being built on Bitcoin in some way, shape or form. So I do think that a lot of the innovation is going to come back there. Rand, do you agree with that? I mean, yeah, I know you're seeing deal flow. Yeah, I agree. I agree. We're seeing a lot of yeah. I mean, I think I think that I think that uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, I think also the days of the Bitcoin returns are are um, pretty like you know we're. I, I think that there's a decreasing margin, decreasing cyclical returns, um, and I think that if you want to make real returns. Uh, you're going to need to be out of Bitcoin. I think you will get returns out of Bitcoin, but they're not going to be super normal returns anymore. So you're going to make a decision as to whether you want to stay in Bitcoin or you want to go into something a bit more aggressive. Why not both? Like the meme says with the little girl, why not both? All right, guys, uh, thank you so much. We'll be back, obviously, tomorrow. Uh, we're having trouble hearing various guests and stuff. So <laughs> apologize, but uh, it was happening yesterday and we got completely uh, rug pulled yesterday. So space is obviously... Uh, having some glitches of late. Uh, we will see all you guys tomorrow. Thank you, Rand. Good to have you back. Later, guys.